Welcome back, everybody, to episode 16 of The Rebellion. I'm your host, Tyson Smith, and today I have somebody who I've been trying to get to interview to be able to learn all of the things that they have to show me. We have Vina Jetty, and real quick, I want to say, as for the last time I looked at your Instagram bio, you are currently at $800 million worth of multifamily real estate. Yeah, actually, I think we're above that now. We're above $800 million. Yeah, we're like just under a billion dollars in transactions. Holy shit. So when is it going to be a billion? Is it? Are well, we talking this month, next month? I was hoping it would be last year, but clearly that didn't happen. So um, I actually, I, I don't think it'll be even this quarter because multifamily has such a long lead time that if I don't have something like under contract right now, yeah, it won't close until next quarter. So it'll probably be Q2. Okay. I hope. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. When you first got into all of this, would the idea of a billion dollars in real estate, would that, is that like mind shattering or is it something where you knew for the entire time? No, like, I had no. no idea. I like, I still don't believe it sometimes. Really? Yeah. Cause who does that? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. But I, something I've been really working on recently, um, just with myself mm -hmm. is I want to shatter all limiting beliefs I have. Mm -hmm. So like anything that I think I want to do, like for instance, this podcast. Yeah. Is it's like I was talking to my girlfriend and she was saying she was like, Oh, like like you're gonna you're gonna be the number one podcast. You're gonna knock Joe Rogan off. Aww. And right, so sweet. That She's is, the best cheerleader. That kind of support is like priceless. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing. Well, and, and that's one thing that I can't thank her enough for. But I realized when she said that that I didn't initially think that myself. I didn't believe that I could yeah. do it. And I was like, fuck that, dude. I need to get rid of that right. that mindset right away. Why can't I go to do that? Like if, if there's anything I'm gonna do and I'm gonna seriously pursue, yep. it's worth trying to get to the very someone has the, to do it so yes. why can't it be you yes that's yeah. it. it's exactly what i say somebody is gonna go yep. be number one yep why not me why not yeah we're yep. all the same i love it so can you please give me a story because i have no idea yeah. of, of where you started how you got to where you are yeah. now how do how did you start to build this this massive uh real estate portfolio yeah so i come from a real estate family my mom is actually a really successful real estate investor but she was entirely residential. She never invested in multifamily. <laughs> Spoiler alert, now she does, but <laughs> she didn't um, growing up. And so my parents are immigrants. They both came here in the 80s. Okay. And they had my from sister where? and I. From India. Okay. And so they had my sister and I. And my dad was working for a company where he was traveling 45 weeks out of the year. Oh, wow. So he wasn't physically present. For like 30 years he did this and so my mom she's like very entrepreneurial and she's like I want to contribute to the household but I can't go to a job because I have these two little girls that I'm the solo parent for right, right. like mom you know I forgot my lunch I have to go to dance or ballet or whatever you know like all those things my mom was the only one and we didn't have nannies and au pairs like I, I do now for my kids and so she kind of discovered real estate 30 plus years ago and started investing in real estate and understood the power of leveraging. And this was back when you were buying single family homes and they were like stated income. There was like no verification process. And I think the first time she really realized that she could buy a lot of houses instead of one is when they went to go apply for a loan to buy a house. Like I think it was either the first or second house that we were going to live in. And they were like, okay, you can have a million dollars. And she's like, mm, what? That, that, how, would, how would we pay for this? Like, this makes no sense. And at that time, you could get 
of the house value because there were like redecoration costs or decoration costs. No kidding. Of 10%. Yeah, it was it was a wild time. It was crazy back then. Um, and so she said, okay, well, can I take that million dollars and buy like five houses instead of one? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> and so uh, that was how she got started. And okay. so I grew up around it. And, you know, I went to college. I graduated with my degree in finance. I was 20 years old. So I had like n no experience being an adult, but I was like, oh, you know, I'm an adult now and I have a college degree. And my mom's like, great, come work for the family business. I was like, no, I, I have a degree. I'm an adult. I'm doing my own thing. And so she's like, okay, you know, like go fly out of the nest, you know, whatever. Um, and so I worked in corporate real estate for okay. a few years and I made a lot of money for other companies. But what I really did there was I learned how some of the largest institutions in the world operate. What, what, what were you doing? Was it like, were you an analyst? I, or? I was actually on the management side. Oh, gotcha. Um, and so I, I left in 2012 after I married my husband and we paid taxes jointly for the first time. And I was a W-2, he was a W-2. And we paid like hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. And I was like, what just happened right now? Awful. Yeah, so I call my mom and I'm like, mom, this is what just happened. And can you believe the check I just had to send to those guys over at the yes, IRS? Yes, yes. And she was like, you should just quit your job and you should be a full-time real estate professional. And I was like, okay, that seems legitimate. So I did. Um, and I ended up starting to invest for myself. I started in single family because that was what I grew up with. Yeah. That's what I knew. I thought everyone kind of had to start there. And I also had the misconception that multifamily was for like institutions or like the Rockefellers and the mm -hmm. Vanderbilts. I didn't think it was for like the Venas of the world, right? But mm -hmm. then as I got deeper and deeper into it, there was a week where I bought five houses in a week. And I was like, this is not scalable even a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, I, one, I hate dealing with tenant issues. I hate managing the assets. I hate going to all these yeah, different all places. Place. I hate having to look at like a hundred homes for like two, three, five to work out. So I was like, I need a better way. And that's when like kind of I fell down the rabbit hole of multifamily and started doing deals. And then as we started doing more and more deals, you know, you get a little bit more comfortable and then you kind of move to the next level and then you mm -hmm. get uncomfortable again and then you rinse and repeat. And so now our deal size is, you know, significantly bigger than where I started in the single family world. Right. So where, what was the first multifamily property you got? So I bought a deal in Dallas and it was, we bought it for 15.9 million and we sold it three and a half years later for $24 million. Oh my God. And so that was the first multifamily that I ever did. And I bet that was pretty addicting. It really was. I mean, once you get bitten by, I always tell people when they're like, oh, I want to learn about multifamily. I'm like, be careful. Yeah. Because like once you learn about multifamily, it's very hard to stop. Oh, well, I, I mean, I had that exact same experience myself. Yeah. So we actually met at Grant Cardone's office. Yep. And um, you're telling me about multifamily. Cody's telling me about multifamily. Yeah. Pace is telling me about multifamily. Everybody is. Yeah. And then I get back and I get hooked up with your course that you've done with Cody Sperber, right. which, by the way, guys, if you're looking to learn and get an introduction into multifamily real estate, I could not recommend this course any bit higher. Where do they go if they want to get that? To Cody. <laughs> I 
okay. no idea. If, actually. if you guys want to get the, the education where that I just really took that I was like literally floored. I had everybody in my office take. I was like, we this is what we need to do. Um, go to Clever Investor, and then you'll be able to find yeah. it there. It's the multifamily course. It's, yeah, it's in the online learning center yeah. community. Some, I don't know, he's got all kinds of different Isn't stuff. Isn't that awful? I recorded it actually just for Cody. Yeah. Like, I, it's not a thing that I have anywhere in my vault or my world or anything like that. Like, I literally recorded well, it Well, you, you got him into it, too, right? Mm-hmm. He was saying that he picked up, at like, what, 80-something units yeah. over here in yeah. Tempe? Yep. Yeah, really? I'm. I'm like so excited whenever any of my single family friends are like, "Wait, this is like the next level of right. the game," and like it, it makes me so excited to see like that kind of impact. Well, that that was my whole thing was, um, uh, I've been just wholesaling real estate, yeah. and uh, we were like, "Okay, this is going to be the year we're going to buy some. We're going to buy yeah. some real estate." And the first thing, the, the way I was going with it is, okay, I was looking at like big, like uh, cash flowing single family real estate in Midwest Southern markets. Sure. Pick up for like fifty to sixty, seventy thousand right. dollars a door, and then you know maybe have to put ten or twenty into it and cash flow a thousand or mm-hmm. rent it out for a thousand bucks a month, something right. like that, right? And that was kind of the idea we were going for. Right. And then started learning about this multifamily thing, <laughs> and it just flipped my head around. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, okay, so I would have to come through and we pick up like, you know, 50, 60 of these, or I could do it all at once. Right. It's so much easier. That's what I'm saying. Like the power of scale is yes. really the secret of multifamily, right? Absolutely. And so I love that you're looking, because I didn't know when I started 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now, these types of like podcasts and masterminds and networking groups and conference they didn't exist right i didn't know and i'm i always think about it now and i'm like if i had like these environments around me 10 years ago like what what could i have done and how quickly could i have done it yeah so so for for people who are listening right now and they're asking well okay vina let's say i want to get into multifamily Mm -hmm. where do i need to start yeah so i think the first the very first thing before you're even like looking for deals or anything like that, right, is to start understanding multifamily because it's very different than single family, right. right? And you watch me talk for hours and hours on end, and now you kind of know that there's some differences in the language we use, right? Yeah. Like um, hard money lending, like that's not really a thing right. we do in multifamily as much. Um, but so I think first start learning about it, right? Like start watching podcasts like this or you know, talking to people that are in these networks and start your at your local networking events. So you just start learning at a baseline what multifamily entails. Which that is what your course did such a great job of learning. Like, so I, I, I got a degree in finance and real yeah. estate. And when I got my degree, they taught me about IRR yeah. and MOIC yeah. and cap rates and all of these things. And I thought I understood them. Yeah. But then when you talked about it and you explained it, yeah. I was like, Oh, that actually makes sense. <laughs> like in college, I took tests on right. on what you know waterfall models were right. for and stuff like that. And I all I was doing was just figuring out how to do it so I could pass the test. Where did you go to college? I went to the University of Alabama because that's like very impressive. You learned that because I did not learn that well, in college at all. I mean, look, it's it's my alumni or whatever, but I'm not going to go here and, and praise that the the <laughs> University of Alabama had some top notch real estate program. Well, I mean, it's more impressive than my school because we I never learned about like waterfall structures. But my degree was purely finance. It wasn't. There was no, I had gotcha. like one real estate course in it and that's gotcha. it. But we didn't learn about like MOIC or anything like that. Maybe we did. 
Well, and, and that's another Shows thing. Shows you how good of a student I well, was. Well, it's way, it's, it's way different when you're, like, learning to, to get a grade true. and to get a degree. So than true. when it's like, oh, I can use this and I can go make a shitload of money. Right. Right. Totally different mindset. Because, like, now I'm interested in IRRs. I yeah. don't really care about IR. I remember, like, having to calculate, like, NPV and stuff like that mm-hmm. for exams. I was like, oh, this is so boring. When am I ever going to use this? Well, right. Turns out yeah. every day, literally. Well, and, and that was a big thing for me, especially like with IRR. Is all of yeah. a sudden I found myself. You explained. I was like, I need to understand this deeper because mm-hmm. like I can get on a surface yeah. level what's going on here, but I need to come through. And then all of a sudden I realized it's been like an hour yeah. researching this, and I was like, damn, this shit's just fascinating. It makes like, sense. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Right. So that's why I say like just start by like learning about it, right? And then. Yeah. I think the next thing is really narrowing down who you are as an investor, right? Because I buy large class B value add assets in the Sun Belt, and like that's all I do. I have one trick, and I try to do that trick really well. Uh, let rewind. Yes. Large class B assets in yeah. the Sun Belt. Yes. Okay. What's class B? Tell me about. Should class I tell you B? what class yes. B is? Okay. Uh, so class B is going to be. Okay, your class A assets are going to be your like really nice assets. Maybe you have like a door person. You're in maybe like Manhattan or think about those like really nice areas where rent is significantly right. more expensive. Super nice area, yes. nice amenities. New construction maybe. Okay. Uh, that's going to be like your class A asset and that's going to be your lowest returning asset because there's theoretically less risk in those assets. Then you're going to have your class B assets, which is where we play. That's going to be, today we're looking at 1990s vintage and newer maybe 1980s depending but like really 1990s early 2000s construction um and we look for 200 plus units and those are in areas that are nice areas you know they've great school districts we're generally like the last stop on the way to home ownership is really gotcha. what we try to look for. Okay, so you're talking like the people who are living there. Yeah. The people the, in, in, the, in the the deals you're targeting is where it's like um a very nice place still, yep. but it's going to be like when they move out of this place, they're probably going to go buy a house. They're going to go buy a house. Okay. Yeah. They're not really, they're not going to live in apartments probably their whole life. Right. And then you have your class C, which is your workforce housing. Right. So that's like both people in the household are probably working. They're maybe making like somewhere 60 ish, maybe $70,000. Um, so th- th- those tenants are going to be a little bit more risky because they generally don't have savings yeah when something like COVID happens and they miss a paycheck all of a sudden your bad debt on the property is going to go up your delinquency is going to go up etc so but the return metric is a little bit better on those as yeah. investors because it's a risk adjusted return. return yes right. see you did learn all these words i love it um yeah it's a risk adjusted return the more risk you take the more return you need to have um, and then you have your class D, which is, you know, more your section eight, you're going to have lower income tenants, you're going to have a lot more delinquency and bad debt. But again, your return is higher because you're taking on more risk to take those tenants. In. Right. So what is it about these class B properties that you like? Yeah. So I like them because the risk adjusted return makes sense to me. I like having like kind of easy assets to manage, quite honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't want to chase my rent every month. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like go and find out that, you know, there's been a string of crime happening. Like, we want nicer assets. We want residents and tenants that care about where they're living because we care a lot about where they're living. You know, we, for us, we're very resident-focused, um, and that's important to us to build that community. And, you know, our we do resident events every month, and we have, we create a community around our assets as well because when you have a good-paying tenant 
who, who what do you want them to do? You want them to go to work and be like, hey, guys, you should live at this right. community because it's amazing and management cares and they renovate and they put money into the pool and they restripe the parking lot and they uh, power wash. You know, like all those things are important to someone living there because that's their home. Mm -hmm. So and you want them to go out and talk to their referral sources so that you get better and better tenants every Absolutely. time. Absolutely. You know, I need everybody. I've seen a lot of like uh, discourse on social media that like landlords are terrible people yeah. and all of this. I need every single yes. one of them to just go listen to what you just said. <laughs> I'm, I'm the evil landlord. Right. Uh, no, but you know, here and here's what I say to that because, and, and I understand that discourse because the reality is affordable housing is the next housing crisis, right? Like yeah. we're kind of in the middle of that right now. And I, I know it's like counterintuitive to what I do to be saying this. And the home ownership is now out of reach for a lot of people. Yeah. But that's why I think it's so important that people like you are amplifying the how-tos of getting into the space because this makes it more accessible to people that it wasn't accessible to before there were podcasts, Yeah. right? And so I think that that's what's really important here is there's gonna be people that listen to this and go, okay, they're evil landlords and they're the problem. And then there's gonna be people that listen to this and go, oh my gosh, if they can do it, what I can do this too. Absolutely. And so, you know, those are those are our people. Those are the people we want to be talking to because someone once told me that I could do it. And when I believed that, that's when I started moving forward. You can be a victim of the situation or you can be a victor. Exactly. I love it. Gotcha. I love that. I've never heard someone say that. I like that. I'm sure I heard it from somebody else. I, mean, I don't know. Isn't that like but, everything mostly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing's original anymore. Right. <laughs> But, um, it, I mean, it makes such a good point. I think that looking at the asset and taking, like, one of my biggest things is, especially when we were talking about buying these houses or the, my original plan of, yeah. you know, really getting into being a real estate yeah. investor instead of just a wholesaler was I want to buy these houses. But that's not something I'm going to be proud of if I own a bunch of these houses. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. sure, you can make them nice. And I'm not saying that, like, mm -hmm. all people who own houses like that are slumlords or anything. No. But, I like... It, it it fits my personal vision of myself more to go look at you know a very nice apartment building yep. and know that I'm housing hundreds of families yes. and that it's like look what the, this community I built and that I manage and I give these people a safe clean place to live their lives. That's exactly and that, that's what I think matters is when you're a landlord, at least for our philosophy, right? Is like we really care about our communities. We invest into the community. We revitalize communities that we mm -hmm. go into, and. You know, we create a lot of jobs and we pay more in property taxes than most people will pay in their lifetimes. Right. Which support school districts. Right. And so, like, those things are important to us. And, you know, we take our responsibilities to our tenants very seriously. We want them to be proud of where they live. We want to be proud of the assets that we have. And that's important to us. But not everybody thinks like that. I get that. Yeah. But I think, too. Like, what's the alternative, right? Is if people like you and I, who actually care, weren't doing this, who is it going to leave behind to be doing this? Yeah. Right? I see that. So when you want to get into multifamily, I mean, I had this um, I had this perception that, okay, I'm going to need a, a whole bunch of money myself mm -hmm. to put into the deal. Yeah. What do you say about that? That's what I thought, too. That's why I didn't start it. I didn't know you, couldn't, you could do it without having, like, eight million dollars lying around right so uh we raise our capital so when you people talk about other people's money this is what they mean mm -hmm. they mean like raising capital when i first heard that term other people's money i must have been like a teenager when i heard it and i thought oh okay yeah that makes sense it's like you go and you get a credit card from chase and that's chase's money and then you go buy things and then you have to pay it back and 
that's what they mean. And I thought debt was other people's money. And then, and so when I was buying single family homes, I was funding all the equity myself. I was the one that was putting the down payment on everything. I was putting up construction costs. And I had, you know, leverage on the asset because I had, you know, a bank give me a loan or line of credit, whatever. But then when I got into the world of private equity in the multifamily space, it changed everything. Now, mm -hmm. once you start raising capital from someone else, you will never sleep the same ever again because <laughs> the responsibility changes. Right. But now I can go out and I can buy a $100 million asset and I can raise $50 million without having to put my own money in. Now, of course, we do invest into our own assets. I'm one of the largest LPs in my own assets because I believe in the deals. That's how I right. tell investors to believe in it too is I put my money where my mouth is. But a lot of people start without doing that or putting very little into it. And so I think it's it, when you understand the power of private equity and other people's money, like truly understand it. And then you take that and you go and you safely, I guess safely is not the right word, responsibly leverage that. Mm -hmm. You can create multiples based just on that in the multifamily space because of the scale. Right. So how would somebody get in front of this private equity? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, you know, I was telling you earlier, you have to call it your securities attorney, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we use Nick McGrew from Polymath Legal. He's phenomenal. If you're looking to get into the space and you need someone, I cannot recommend him enough. Um, he's just great. He understands securities and he's really good with first time funds, which I think is really important because when you first start out, there's so much information. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Mm -hmm. You cannot, you can't digest any of it. You can take like 1% of it. Gotcha. So you need people around you who do understand, who do understand it because it's, it is dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the right attorney, it's a problem for you. And that's part of, I mean, that person, especially like your securities attorney, that's someone who's, that's a main player on your team. He is my first call. Yeah. Uh, him and then, like, my tax guy is my second Gotcha. Call. <laughs> so, and sometimes, and now, like, so I, I work with a guy named, do you know Larry West? I don't know if you know him. I don't. Okay, so I work with him. He's a tax strategist, and, like, now Nick and Larry, they have so many clients that overlap oh, that, really? like, yeah, now I, it's, there's, like, a whole joke between them, like, who do I call first? That's <laughs> my securities attorney. Don't tell Larry I said that, but okay. I call Nick first. Um, so, I call a securities attorney. I say, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to go raise you know, 10 million bucks, whatever it is, right? Um, then he's going to ask you a series of questions. So he's going to say, okay, are you going to raise it from people you know, people you don't know? Tell me, are they accredited? Are they not accredited? Are they sophisticated? He's going to ask you a whole series of questions. And what is an, an, an accredited, accredited investor? investor yes. Yeah, so the SEC puts out a definition of this. There's many ways to meet it, but the two ways that like 99% of your investors are going to meet it are going to be either through net worth, which is a million dollars in net worth, excluding your primary home. Okay. So like if you live in California, you cannot count yeah. any of that equity in your home. Um, or you're going to meet it through income. So if you're a single person, in your case, you're unmarried. So $200,000 or more in income for the last two years with a okay. reasonable expectation of maintaining that. Okay. Or if you're married, like me, it would be $300,000 or more for gotcha. the last year. But years. you don't actually have to go anywhere. Like, you don't go to the SEC and no. be like, oh, here's my pin that yeah. says I'm an accredited <laughs> they investor. They should do that, right? No. Okay, uh, cool. It'd be a flex. I, it would be a flex. <laughs> uh, no, there's no official, like, registration, but okay. 
depending on the exemption you're using, you have to take reasonable steps to verify the status of the investor as a sponsor. So let's say you come to me, you're like, Vina, I want to put, you know, a million dollars into your next deal. And I go, okay, great. I'd love to have you, Tyson. Are you accredited? And you go, yeah, I'm accredited. I do a 506C raise under Regulation D, which means that I can only have accredited investors. Okay. And the SEC has specifically said that self-attestation from the investor is not enough to meet the standard of so reasonable So me just steps. saying I'm an accredited investor doesn't Not count. enough for me. Okay. So in my deals, what I do is I'm going to say, okay, great. Go to either your attorney, your FINRA licensed broker dealer, your um, CPA, somebody who has intimate knowledge of your finances, have them write me a letter certifying that you are accredited gotcha so we always get it from a third party now there are websites um there's a site called verifyinvestor.com um that some of our investors will go to and then you submit everything to them they'll generate a letter and then you can give me that but i can't verify it, it the liability is too high for right. me to lie but to that covers it. your base when somebody yes. goes ahead and does that yes so we always require third-party verification and there's many ways to do it but um, you're gonna that that's what your securities attorney will also help advise you gotcha. on, right? If they're good, they're gonna tell you how to do this. And so then you're gonna go, you're gonna say, Okay, great. Um, I'm gonna do reg D five oh six C, right? That's what we do, whatever your ex exemption is, and your attorney's gonna lay out kind of the rules because there's rules around how you can solicit and advertise. Right. You wanna make sure you understand these. And this is why it's the first call. Because if you go out and you generally solicit, you may not be able to rely on the 506B exemption then. So you want to do it before you even like have a deal, right. before you do anything. So this is the first step. And it so is. we'll, like, for instance, will Nick, if I call him and I'm like, hey, here's the way I, I plan to be raising money, he'll probably make a recommendation. Okay, you're going to want to do the 506B, whatever right. it may be. And, right. Okay, right. Cool. That's exactly what he's going to do. And, and, you want people don't realize this, but your securities attorney's like core team. Yeah. Like I have I call him and talk to him about like what we're doing, what we're planning on doing, what I want to be doing, like forward looking. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk to him like at least once a week, maybe once every other week. Um, I'm at least like following up on the content he's putting out because I want to stay on top of it so that I know where I'm going in the future. Gotcha. So that's your first step is really to reach out to your securities attorney because okay. then you get the structure correct. All right. Right? And so then, so I reach out to a securities attorney mm -hmm. and they say, okay, based on what you told me, here's mm -hmm. what you're going to go ahead and do. Yeah. You're ready to start raising money and yes. get into a deal. What's, what's yes. step number two? Okay. So step number two. And now this is the capital side, right? Like there's three pillars of multifamily. There's acquisitions. There's capital, like your debt and your equity. And then there's operations or execution of the deal, right? Yeah. Um, so we're right now we're talking about like capital stack. So when you're going out to raise that private equity, you want to be creating a database of investors. So I assume you already have a database of investors because they're actually probably your buyers of your yep. wholesale deals. That's where I would go first if I were you. And what I tell new investors is start where you have a network. Start where you already have relationships and credibility. You don't have to go out and reinvent the wheel. Right. Just start talking about what you're doing. And this is probably like this is actually some of the secret sauce, Tyson. I'm gonna tell you. All right. Okay. We're getting the good stuff. You're getting the good stuff. Um, raise your capital when you don't even have a deal on the table. Yeah. Like go out right now. You're like, I want to be in multifamily. Great. Go out to your investors right now and say, Hey, this year the strategy is multifamily. Here's what we're gonna target. Here's the strategy. Here's how we're acquiring our deals. Here's the markets we're in. Okay. Right. You don't have a deal. 
it doesn't matter. You're not, you're telling people what well, you're and, doing. And here's the thing is I don't think that I'm going to sell anybody to give me, you know, X millions of dollars based on what are the deals. They're going to believe in me. Exact, I'm selling myself. That's exactly right. I mean, people invest with people they know, like, and trust. That's what investment is, right? When you're investing in these types of assets. So you're going to go out and you need to start telling people that because what will happen is, let's say you get a deal under contract and you have to go out and you have to raise that capital. What's going to happen is, let's say you need $5 million, right? I'm mm -hmm. making up numbers, but let's say you need $5 million. So you're buying like a roughly a $10 million asset, right? So you need $5 million. You're going to go to your list and be like, hey, I'm raising for this deal. I'm in multifamily and this is a strategy and this is why you should believe in me and trust me with this. And they're going to go, but aren't you a wholesaler? Mm -hmm. But we haven't made that that distinction leap yet. yes because you're going up and you're meeting them and you're 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 moving along the whole process way right. too soon it, right exactly and so what you need to do is you need to have your investors primed and ready to go you need them excited about multifamily, right so you're educating your investors your relationships about what you're doing what your company does how you're going to mitigate risk what your strategy is why you are like the man at multifamily, right gotcha and then you're going to go to them maybe like a month later or whatever in the future and you're going to say hey remember when we were talking about multifamily? guess I what? have a deal do you want to oh. look at it and then they're gonna be like okay yeah i'll look at it um now the other thing i like to do too is when i first started now it's a little bit different because you build momentum and yeah. it like snowballs and there's a lot of things I don't have to do anymore, right? But um, when I was first starting out, one of the things I started doing very early on was I'd say I'd reach out to somebody that I thought was a potential investor. Because sometimes it's awkward to, like, ask people you, you know, hang out with and play basketball with on the weekends or go to church with or whatever. It's sometimes weird to kind of blur those lines. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people go, I'm, I'm uncomfortable asking, you know, my neighbor for money. And first of all, if you're doing something really great and you're making a bunch of money and you can help other people get financial freedom earlier, you have a responsibility to tell the people in your network about it. Absolutely. Right? Like they deserve to at least know what you're doing, whether or not they invest, you have to tell them about it. Mm -hmm. And secondly, what I like to do is I'll go, Hey, um, Susie Smith, right? Like you're whatever, a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, whatever she does. You're somebody I've always really admired. And I think you're really smart. This is what I'm doing. I'm in multifamily now. I'm buying deals. Uh, this is my strategy. This is my asset class, et cetera, et cetera. I would really love if you would help me out by giving me feedback on this deal because you're the type of investor that I'm talking to. Ooh. Right? So now you're immediately taking away the pressure of like, hey, Susie, we're party. best friends. Yeah, it's we're best party. friends, and I want you to like invest in this deal, right? Like now you're taking that away. You're just saying, can you just help me by giving me feedback so that I can talk to other investors? That's some better? sales ninja magic right there. Right, it kind of it, is. It, it cuts the pressure. Whenever I love what you say, but you got to shift your perspective because yeah. it's not you're not asking for their money. You're saying I want to help you make some more. Here's money. an opportunity. Right, but then, but I love the way of taking the pressure off it yes. by it's a third party. Yeah, I, like yeah, you're just, you're helping Vina Jetty be better with this other person yeah. over here, not you, oh, and, Susie. And if you just so happen. Yeah. Oh. Well, one of three things is going to happen, right? Either she's going to see and she's going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. I want to invest. Like, how can I? Why aren't you asking me? And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to exclude you. I would love to have you, right? So that's the easy one. The second one's going to be, okay, this is interesting, but I 
don't really understand it or I'm not clear or I have these questions. And that's really a great answer for you because it tells you where you're missing your marketing and your messaging, gotcha. right? So you're gonna say, thank you so much for this feedback. And then you're gonna go back and you're gonna educate her on all of those points, right? So now Susie understands what it is. Mm -hmm. And then she's, they're gonna say, yes, I wanna invest and be involved. And that's likely gonna be the outcome if you've done a good job and it is a good deal. Um, or she's gonna say no. And that's the third response is like, no, this isn't something I would ever be interested in. The no is the most important answer you can get. Cause like when someone says yes to my deal, I know why they like the deal. I liked the deal enough mm -hmm. to do it. I know that. But when they say no to me, I can understand better why they're saying no. Right. So never let someone say no without giving you a why. Well, you're getting in. A, you're getting a perspective of like, yep. like where, where are you scared about this? Because maybe they're going to see something that you don't that see. That you don't see, or maybe mm -hmm. more often than not, it is a lack of education, and that's on me. That's my fault right. for not educating you properly and conveying the message correctly to you. Yeah. And so when they say no, I'll say, hey, thank you so much for that. Would you mind giving me some feedback about this, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I, even to this day, like I give investors a very easy out to say no to me. I'm like, hey, if you say no, no problem. Tell me why. You can tell me like, I hate multifamily. I don't like you, Vina. I don't like the market. I don't have cash. I'm saving up for something else. Whatever it is, just tell me, but I won't be offended, but it will help me. And it, get, it lets me get to know you as an yeah. investor, right? Because now when Tyson says, no, I don't like this, deal in North Carolina because I hate that market. Well, guess what? When I have my next deal come out in Atlanta, I'm going to say, hey, Tyson, you hated North Carolina, but I think you said you loved Atlanta. Right. Here's why you should love Atlanta. If you don't, what do you think of this deal? I love it. Right. And it creates that personal relationship and long lasting relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody should be doing this for all things. It doesn't matter True. what you're selling. Like I know Absolutely. for us when we're selling our wholesale deals, if a buyer passes on it or anything, it's Why? always, hey, totally understand. Let me know what about this yes. is not interesting yep. to you. Yep. Because then it one, it gives you a chance because maybe it's something that's out there that's an easy thing for you to solve. Right. Or maybe they say see something that you didn't see that's like, oh shit, no. Maybe right. maybe I should be looking yeah. at that. Right. It, no, that's exactly what it is. So the no is the most important answer you yes. can get. It's it, as long as you can take that feedback and actually apply it to, right. to getting better of whatever. Right. And I'll tell you in multifamily, because it's like speaking a foreign language, like 80 to 90% of the time, it's going to be a lack of education when yeah. someone presents an actual objection outside of like, I just don't have the capital. Right. Right. Like it's usually, oh, it's that or they're scared. That's another common objection and so that's where the education of okay multifamily has the highest sharp ratio which is the risk adjusted return calculation right of any asset class like that's where those discussions come into place and you don't have to have a deal to be talking to people about right. this right well and and that's where i can see it super beneficial is you yourself need to understand all of these things yes because it's super important that you're able to take something that may seem complex yes. and explain it to somebody in a way that they're going to understand it. I love that you just said that because I, I feel like so many people miss that. It's not just about you understanding it. You have to be able to regurgitate it to someone who has right. no idea about anything in this space. So, so if you were if you were going to explain to me mm -hmm. and you were gonna you were gonna tell me about a deal because you wanted me mm -hmm. to invest into it, mm -hmm. what are you going to tell me about like some of these? Like, how would you explain to me? You're like, hey, we're getting a twenty five percent IRR. Like, mm -hmm. that's great. And I'm like. Well, Bina, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> so I actually really hate focusing on IRR with in retail investors because usually what they're actually asking about is the average annualized return. Yeah. Right? So really they want to know if I give you $100,000, mm -hmm. 
how much are you going to give me back? Right. So what I'm going to say to you is, and it obviously varies by deal, but if I had a deal, let's say it's going to, it has a projection of a 1.8x over, I'll say four years just to make the mental math easier, right? So what I'm going to say to you is I'm going to say, that means that if you give me $100,000, by the time we exit this deal, it means I'm going to have given you back $180,000, tax efficiently too, by the way. And so I'm going to talk about the tax efficiency yeah. there, and I'm going to talk about the benefits there, and then I'm going to say, so over a four-year period, if I give you 180000 back, we take out the 100000 of principal, you've made $80,000 in profit over four years, means you got a $20,000 return which per year, which is a 20% return per year, and it was tax efficient, which will blow anything that's yeah. in the stock market out of the water right. in just such like, a hey, short period of time. I know you hate paying taxes. Yeah. Oh, and also, guess what? We'll, we'll beat the stock market by double. Right. Exactly. Want to learn more? That's exactly it, right? Like, so when I talk to investors out of the gate, I say, you know, we help investors, passive investors generate double digit returns for their portfolio. And, you know, that is generally true of multifamily. And if you buy it right and you actually underwrite the deal properly, then you are probably going to gotcha. generate that. So I can see why focusing on like your equity multiple and your uh, average annualized return is so much better it than is. some of these other that only like real estate people are going to. Yeah. Cause like what IRR is for is for people who are looking at many opportunities, right? It's, it tells us the opportunity cost of our dollars. Yeah. And so you might look at 10 deals in a month, but it's rare that a retail investor is going to see that many deals in their exact buy box in a month. Mm -hmm. So for us, it helps us prioritize which deals we're investing into if we have 10 deals to look at and we can only do one or two of them. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm also really curious about um, once you actually get the deal. Yeah. Right Now you have a whole business plan that you got to go execute. Yeah. So what is it that you guys are doing? And it, it's, um, is it Vive? Yeah. That's the name yeah, of your yeah, fund. Yeah, name of my company. Gotcha. So what are you guys doing over there at Vive? So we do value add. We're, you know, like I said, we're pretty vanilla investors. We do one thing. So we'll go in. Um, usually we'll bring it, we'll bring the unit up to the market. So a lot of times that's like granite or stainless steel. Uh, usually we'll change the flooring out to like some kind of LVT. Um, we will repaint, change lighting fixtures. We do a lot of... Uh, green efficiency on properties, which, you know, is another thing that we do that a lot, some landlords will, and, but a lot of landlords do this. And we put in like low flow shower heads and low flow toilets and aerators in the sink. We'll insulate water heaters, right? So we actually increase the green efficiency of gotcha. the property. Um, so it depends on the asset, what the business plan exactly is, because each asset requires slightly different business plans. But what you really want to do before you even close on the asset when you're still in the underwriting phase is you want to look at the comps in the market. You want to see what are all the other apartment complexes around the same size and the same year of construction. What do they have now? Right. You don't want to over under. Don't want to over renovate. You, you need to renovate to the market. To the market. Yeah. To the market. Cause, and that actually happens a lot. I see that very often on, especially like smaller deals in like tertiary markets where there's not a ton of like big institutional money there or it's like a mom and pop investor. It's very, very, very common to see where they'll go in to an area where they have like a $50,000 median income and then they'll put like granite or quartz in. And I'm like, no, yeah, not doing you're not going to see the ROI on that. Right. So. so how much does that cost? Like, I know if I'm underwriting a deal, mm -hmm. right, because, you know, as wholesalers, we're yeah. underwriting single family, even though I'm not planning on doing any renovations. 
Oh, bless Excuse you. Excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> good. Yes. All right. Um, like, how are you estimating? Like, what? Like, are you looking at it? Is it like, oh, it typically costs us X amount of money per door? Is it price per square foot? Like, yeah. Oh, that's such a single family thing to ask. Is it price <laughs> per square foot? No, we don't. Well, okay. We'll use very, very broad rule of thumb paintbrushes to kind of get to that, but. Generally, we have you know open lines of communication directly with our contractors, gotcha. right? So, like your dad would be a great resource for you in this space because he knows and understands construction so well, right? Yeah. So he would be if I were you, he would be my first call. But if you don't have a dad who's just well versed in construction, then you need to be developing your relationships with your vendors, right? So you need a contractor that's going to manage the construction. Right. A lot of times, your property management company will be able to do that in house. Um, so always go to them, use them as a resource to test your numbers and whatever your assumptions you're making are. Your property manager should have a very good finger on the pulse about if that's possible. I'm, I'm starting, I feel like I'm starting to understand that a lot of like a really big key to success in this is you have this like, great team of people around you mm -hmm. and then you're just constantly relying on their expertise. Yeah, basically. Like, I'm you're, like you're the like quarterback. The, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're the con and it's just like, hey, what do I do here? Yep. And then it's like, hey, can you give me advice on this? Yes. And it's But it's you connecting all these people in order to that's what it is. I'm like, I like I say, I just find really more successful, smarter people and I put them on my team and then I just like ride their coattails to success. Gotcha. That's actually the key. That's how you do multifamily. That's all you need to know. All right. <laughs> all right. So, so you're looking in, um, cause one, one of the biggest questions I had is like, all right, so I understand these, some of these things. And also immediately after I started taking that, I started calling brokers. Did I started, you? Oh, absolutely. I started That's start it. taking things. I started underwriting. I, I like went crazy into the underwriting. I bought a bunch of different courses that. and I was like, Having fun with all of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, I have, um, it's not a course, but like I do Zoom calls. I, so I have a Facebook community, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'll do like a Zoom call because I love teaching. Like education is so fun for me. I didn't think I would, but I totally love it. Yeah. And so I started doing these like Zoom calls. And so now I have like Vina's Vault is what it's called. And I just, Ooh. I put all of the Zoom recordings in there. And every call we go over like one topic in depth. Right. So like how to reach out to a broker and kind of like fake it till you make it. Right. Like how to develop those relationships. But I'll give you remind me after this. I'll give you. Um, oh, a I'm, login for I'm stoked. Do yeah. you do like like we like underwrite deals on these calls, things like that? Or. Yeah. So I actually just so we have a separate master class now. That's like an underwriting master class, uh -huh. uh, which will go through like, here's what you need. Here's how you underwrite it. Here's the spreadsheet, like step by step by step. On the Venus Vault calls, it's more the like intangibles, right? It's not, it's not like oh, we do math stuff. So I do, I have like a call in there that's like value add math. So it's just mm -hmm. how to calculate the value add component of any one deal. And then, you know, we have one like on goal setting and one on securities. Like, so there's different topics every time yeah. and, you know, changes based on like where kind of we've already spoken um, but i put all of them in the vault so you can always go back and Gosh. watch them well i mean just to have the tactical advice of exactly what you're saying because i'm <laughs> calling brokers and i'm like i i don't know what i'm yeah. doing but either way i've been i know how to cold call people and yeah. talk and build a relationship you have a little bit of a step ahead from someone who's like 
done no Fresh. real estate, right? Yeah. And so you have like a little bit of a foundation beyond Well, them. my biggest thing was I, I do not want to be the person that just learns and learns and learns Analysis, and reads books paralysis. and then never yep. does anything. Yeah, no, don't do that. So I was like, I need to start I looking at deals. I need I to start it. making some offers. I, I didn't make any offers because I didn't find anything. Well, I didn't I'm, know enough, I'm actually so, gonna getting ready to do a how to structure an LOI. Ooh. So... You'll like that one. So if somebody wants to join this community, how do they how do they become a part of it? It's just like a free Facebook group. It's called Mastering Multifamily with Vina Jetty. And then there's like some questions you give me, like your email and what you're looking for and like where you are in the journey. And then you can join the community and, and there you hang go. Out. Yeah. Okay. So can they can like I get to this link on your Instagram or it's just on Facebook. I just have to search. Okay. We, I mean, I actually am really bad with social media. We gotta so we gotta get know. you. I, I need to figure out. We need to be able to funnel. I know. I, more I, I know. Everyone's like, oh, okay, you could set up like this funnel. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to buy some apartment complexes. Right. I'm like, I don't know about all this. This is a group on Facebook. And then my vault. So my I do my Zoom recordings for anybody in my group. Everybody gets invited, but it's limited to the first 100 people. And because that's all my Zoom lets me have right now. And so you, have, I have a, the first 100 people. And then um, the vault, There's it's a subscription. It's a membership, but it's $37 a month. So it's like not anything crazy. I'm not going to ask someone for like $100,000 to get these uh, these recordings but well, one day they're gonna be <laughs> well you know what it's interesting you say that because everyone keeps asking me they're like why are you only charging 37 dollars a month and i i'm gonna have to increase it soon because my costs are more than i actually am bringing in from it mm -hmm. but the reason i put the cost in there is one i don't want tire kickers i right. don't want a bunch of people that want to do it for free and then aren't going to do no, anything you need to it. they need to put some skin in the game right they have to put skin in the game right um, but two, I also struggle with there's not a lot of women in this space and there's not a lot of minorities in this space. And I wanted to make sure that this was accessible for everybody. Right. Gotcha. So like at thirty seven dollars a month and it'll, it'll eventually go. up. But even at let's call it one hundred dollars a month. Right. That to me feels like a reasonable investment to get the information that I put in there because like I give everybody like all of my stuff yeah so like my worksheets are in there my templates are in there and so I'm like Which this is stuff that people are charging tens hundreds of thousands of dollars for I know those people probably hate me now I don't know well <laughs> I mean, and also I want to go back to a point that you just made there is there aren't a lot of women or minorities yeah. in, in commercial real estate in general. Yeah. Like when I think of that, I think of like old white dudes. Yeah, because that's like mostly who it is. So it has it has it been challenging for you because you're a woman, because you're a minority or? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think that it is harder than if I was like an old white man. But, yeah. um, you know, I I've learned to overcome adversity pretty yeah. So, I mean, I still have like the craziest things happen because I'm a woman in this space. Like um, I was at a conference I was speaking at. Uh, it was like a couple years ago. And this guy came up to me after I delivered my keynote and he was like, I have to apologize to you. And I was like, OK, do we know each other? <laughs> like, why? And he was like, I really judge you based on your looks. And I was like, OK. And he's like, I didn't think you were going to be this smart. <laughs> It's like this is a weird thing to say to somebody, <laughs> sir. <laughs> and oh I was like, God. we could have literally gone our whole lives without this interaction. And then it was really funny because I think I was like, okay, and I was like, I think I maybe made this face where I was yeah. like, this is a weird thing. Um, and then he kept finding me through the rest of the weekend, and he was like, I hope you weren't offended by what I said. 
Well, it was like, well, I'm not offended. It says a lot about you. Right. I was like, <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. And so it was like, it was, I, but things like that happen to me all the time. Yeah. Uh, even now, I still get like these, oh, are you the realtor? I'm like, no, I have no real estate license <laughs> at all. <laughs> but that's like the default, right? When I tell yeah. someone I'm in real estate or, um, you know, I, I'm a real estate investor. They're like, oh, you're a realtor. Mm-hmm. That's immediately what they think, which there's a lot of women in real estate that are realtors, but not on the private equity side. Right. And so I'm really excited, though, because I see so many more women yeah. in my like community, in my sphere. Like when I speak at a conference, I see so many more women and it, that makes me so excited. Well, I can't even imagine of, of how good it is, too, that, that there are young women and other you know my, minorities yeah. that can look up and they can see you killing it. And they yeah. can be like, oh, shit, like, she can do it? Like, I know. I'm, that makes me – that actually is, like, what fills up my cup. Well, that's why you owe it to yourself. Yeah. You have to do things like this where you're going to go out there because, it, like, you know, you got to show say, people. It was really vulnerable for me to start a community because – and you'll probably find this, especially as you dive deeper into multifamily, but, like, it's, like, very elitist. Yeah. Like, we – ever since I've been in this space, I've always been taught, like, hold your cards, like, right here and never let anyone else see them, right? Really? So, yeah. So, the uh, this is, like, a very common mentality in this world. And so the idea of just, like – Abundantly being, like, opening here's the playbook, up everything. here's what we're going on. Right. Was, like – intensely scary for me yeah because i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna go out and create a bunch of competitors and then i kept thinking about it and it's like this is not even a little bit in line with what you say about yourself which is that you have an abundance mindset Mm -hmm. and you can't do both right like you can't simultaneously say like you have an abundance mindset and then be like no no no, i'm not going to teach you how to do this because i don't want you to come and take from me right right and so when i actually Pace Morby is the one who really shifted my mindset on this. Yeah. And he's actually the reason that I started this community because his community is incredible. It's like nothing I've ever seen mm-hmm. before. And he would like call me like, you know, we talk like a couple times a week and every time I call him, he'd be like, um, yeah. So, you know, when you have your Facebook community, I'm like, Pace, nice try. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So when you have your Facebook community and he'd like, just continue on as if, I didn't even say I wasn't going to do it. And then, like, he planted the seed and watered it for, like, months and months and months. He's good at and that. Mo- Oh, he's so good. He's so good in so many ways. Um, and he's like, Vina, when you have your community, <laughs> and I'm like, I see what you're doing, Pace, and it's not going to work. And then one day I woke up, and it was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I literally opened the Facebook group, and then I just went from, like, zero to 100. I love it. And, like, that's... I mean, it's still newish. I've only had it for like three months. And you're out there just pumping out the most valuable stuff that, like I said, people are charging hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars for. Yeah, that is kind of it. And like, but I, what I love about it is just it's a community. Yeah. You know, it's like we win together. I can like celebrate someone else's wins. I can help other people win. And like, that's the next level for me. Mm-hmm. So I, that's something I wanted to ask you about is uh, one thing I talk about is that I think people really, uh, Overestimate how much they can do in a year, mm-hmm. but underestimate how much they can do in five years. Oh, true. That's so, a, that's great. Yes. So I'd like to know what do you think the next five years are going to look like for you? It's interesting you're asking me this now because I feel like this is like a pivotal moment, not just in real estate, but also like just me personally. Because I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what is the next 
move, right? Like, obviously, I have to get to a billion dollars because I was like so close. I need to get there and I will this year. Um, so after that box is kind of checked, I thought maybe it'd be like, okay, I need to get to like two billion or five billion or 10 billion or whatever. But actually, I'm like not even that excited about that. What I'm actually excited about is the impact piece of it. Like that's the next move for me. It's because now I've built the resume, I've done enough to have the experience to feel like I have something valuable to contribute to someone else, right? Absolutely. And so now I think it's like, how many people can I impact? And what I absolutely love about like the education side and the teaching side is like, I have people who come up to me and they're like, you changed my whole entire life because I was gonna do this or I didn't wanna do this or I didn't think this was for people like me and now I, I do. And now I'm like calling brokers or I'm making offers or I'm buying an asset or I bought my first multifamily. Like I just had someone come up to me at a conference I spoke at and um, they told me that one of my passive investors, so someone who wrote me a check many years ago is now buying multifamily. No kidding. Cause she was like, I just didn't know. And then, you know, I found you and then I saw what you were doing. And if you could do it, then I could do it too. And it's true. Like if I can do it, anyone can do it. Well, I think I think it's something that's just something where you're incredibly talented is, is you make it look and you explain it in such an easy way. Thank you. I think that's I like a superpower. That. Is that I appreciate that. Like that, that's what I'm coming down to. Is it <laughs> is it you know how to like take this thing that seems big and scary and yeah. you're like, no, it's really not. Well, check it out. Like that's the thing. It's it, like the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Yeah. And like that's what I'm really aiming for is to like teach on these like small slivers that are like, okay, acquiring an asset, I have no idea how to do that. Okay, but let's talk about talking to brokers. Okay, now let's talk about how do we put together the LOI? How do we back the napkin underwrite it? How do we comp shop, right? Like, and those are slivers that are digestible. Mm -hmm. And over a period of time, you'll start gaining that knowledge and that insight. And then eventually you have to make a leap of faith. Yeah. You got to do it. So that's my goal there. But I think that that for me over the next five years and I, you know, what I'm working on right now behind the scenes is I'm trying to like really nail down a number as a goal of people I want to impact. Okay. So like I hear a lot of people say like, oh, I want to impact like a thousand people or 10,000 people or whatever. And none of those numbers just like naturally jump out to me so i'm trying to like figure out what is that number yeah okay i got you and so someone told me the other day at a conference i was at um you know they came up and they were speaking to me at lunch and he said at two percent if you can get two percent of the population to do something it creates like a movement mm -hmm. and so i was like okay there's you know eight billion people so if you get 160 million people to have any kind of movement or change or mindset shift, then it can actually make like really great impact. And I was like, oh, I love that. Now, do I think I can reach 160 million people on my own? No. So what I think like for me is I need to continue like working that backward to like, I need to create X amount of Vina Jetties who are then gonna go and create, right? Cause like leaders gotcha, create more yeah. leaders. And so I need to impact people and then I need to have you feel so excited and motivated that you have to go out and impact 10 more people, right? And then they have to go out and impact 10 more people and that's the ripple and that's effect. how you get to the 160 million. I think so. 
Well, so it's funny because you said 2%. I'm like, okay, yeah, like you could get like 2% of all the real estate investors. No, you're <laughs> no, people like in the world. Literally everybody. All right. Think bigger. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, I need to shatter <laughs> right. all of these We've come beliefs. full cycle. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, I want to end off and I want to tell everybody right now that you have far and away the most valuable content that anybody can follow on Instagram. Oh, really? Oh, 100%. When it comes to like actual actionable advice. Yeah. Like, and also you're good at making complicated things easy. Yes, thank you. So when it comes to actual actionable advice, learning all things real estate. Yeah. You guys need to look at what it's, it's at Vena Jetty. Yeah. And how do you spell that? Okay. V-E-E-M-A-J-E-T-T-I. Awesome. And then we're going to have that uh, tag below and everything else where you guys can go check that out. Cause I'm telling you, I'm, I'm being 100, 100% honest with you that you have the best content. Thank you. And number two, I'm going to say is I've the people I've interviewed and I've, I've had the chance to talk to, you know, amazing people who have yeah. helped change my life that this has been out of all the episodes, the number one piece of like the most amount of tactical advice that I know Thank that you. I'm going to be able to take and it's going to help me transform my business, my life. I love so that. everybody else that's listening, I really encourage you one, to not get stuck in this analysis paralysis yes. and start taking action. Yes. And I think a great way to start that is by number one, going and following Vina on Instagram. And number two is to join your, your Facebook group, which is Mastering Multifamily with Vina Jetty. Mastering Multifamily with Vina Jetty. Yes. I know I'm going to be a part of it. When are the calls? Okay, so <laughs> I am like so bad at scheduling things because I'm always on planes. So I schedule them ad hoc, but I post okay. them into the group so that everyone can kind of see. Well, what I they love are. that. Look, yeah. I mean, you're doing you're doing some boss shit. Like <laughs> we can't just have. A I'm trying. Time. I'm trying. Yeah, no, I I put my calendar up. This is like a new thing I'm doing where I like put my calendar up so people know like where I'm speaking and Check what that out. Yeah, so. I, I'm doing all the technology things. <laughs> gotcha. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming Absolutely. on. Thank you so much for pouring in and just thank being you. so like good at what you do, good at thank teaching you. and being so open to help people. I thank really you. do appreciate it. Thank um, you for having me. Well, absolutely. this is fun. I, I told you before we started, like, I don't get to do a lot of in-person podcasts and it's so much better oh, in absolutely. person. Like, night and day difference well i mean there's been a ton of people that like i people i really look up to people i really admire people i really wanted to learn from and i want the chance to interview yeah but it's like dude if you're gonna do this on zoom like that's just it's that's half-assed you know yeah it's it's just not as good well no and and people also like for me myself i know i'm not gonna get as much out of it yeah. and i think so much get lost for everybody else that's listening yeah. when it's like on a platform like yeah. that it's just it's not the same well and also like in-person connections they're just deeper, oh, yeah. right? Like we met in person. And so when my admin reached out to me and said, Tyson wants you, I was like, oh yeah, tell him, you know, whenever I'm there next, I'll definitely come through. And like, that's the thing is if you just message me and we didn't really meet in person, like I might not different. remember, right? right? It's like a different relationship. That's why it's so important to be in these rooms. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to have that face-to-face. -face.